Praise God. Amen. You can be seated tonight. We're going to continue um, this lesson, uh, this study on a better promise. A better promise. His promises are yea and they are amen. Right? Amen. And and I know that Brother Parker's talked about it and I'm going to touch on it a little bit, but there, this book is full of promises. And there's sometimes God... There are times that God will give us specific promises. But a lot of those specific promises are right here in this book. That's why it's so important that we know what our way around inside these these two covers right here. We got to know our way around. We got to know because Bible says be ready to give an answer to every man for what? For the hope that's in you. What are we hoping for? Hope is is looking forward to something you haven't seen yet, right? Well, I sure hope it rains, or I sure hope it doesn't rain, or, you know, I hope it doesn't snow, or I hope it does snow, and, but we haven't seen it yet, but, but it's something you look forward to. So we're looking forward to the coming of the Lord. Yeah. Amen. And so that's, we got to kind of plant that hope in other people. You know, do you just blindly follow the Lord, or what, what, what's it all about? So we got to be able to give them an answer of why we have this, why, we're not just uh, putting on airs, we're not just uh, just just acting out something and, and being pretentious. You know what that means, right? Pretentious means you're pretending. It's got to be real. It's got to be real. It's got and and you know you know if somebody's putting on or if they're real, if they're sincere. You know that. You can feel that. God's given that's given us the Holy Ghost and and we can sense that. But even in human nature, we can sense that. Kids in a classroom can sense. If a teacher is really sincere about their job or if they're just there punching a clock and doing a job every day. It comes out in how you act and how you conduct yourself. You can't hide that. If you're just there trying to wait, watch the clock get to 2.30 so you can go home, people feel that. Kids feel that. So we can feel when we're around somebody that's not really sincere. So we, we, the people out there in this world, they need to know that he's real by what they see in us. Right? Because the, we're the only Jesus some people or anybody's going to ever see. He's not going around showing himself to people in their dreams and visions. We're, that's why we're here. He needs that human element. He needs us to be involved. And so these promises are true. And we, we kind of left off on, uh, I'm going to kind of go back a little bit and just briefly cover about Number B, letter B there, his promises, we went through number one, are unfailing. God never fails. His promises are always true. His word is always true. It never contradicts itself. His promises are unfailing. We as humans, we will fail. But God will never fail. His promises will never fail. He promised that he'd never leave us nor forsake us. He didn't promise that we might get to a place where it doesn't feel like we feel him. Right? Because there's places where we get sometimes where it doesn't feel like God's there. But we have to trust that he's there. Right? Sometimes he's carrying us. Sometimes we can't make, we can't really make it without him anyway. I don't ever want to 
reach over there and put my hand back on the wheel and tell God, I think you need some help with this one. He doesn't need help with anything, right? So then we talked about number two there. His promises are infinite of infinite value. I mean, that just goes without saying. They are with of infinite value. Number three, his promises are for brighter days, right? And, you know, the difference between happiness and joy is happiness is based on how you feel, and joy has nothing to do with how you feel. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Well, what do you need strength for? Because you're going to go through some stuff. But the joy of the Lord is going to take you through those valleys, through those storms. God's not going to get us out of every storm. Some of those things are put there for a reason in our life to help our character. Because what does he ultimately want? He loves us. He wants us to be just like him, just like our father. That's, that's what we want to hear from people. You know, you look just like your father, right? You ever, you ever hear Anybody ever hear that? You look just like your mother, or you look just like your father. That's what we want the world, in essence, to say. You know, you look just like Jesus. Something about you is different. What is it? We, we want the world to feel that, that not only is there a brighter day for us, but there's a brighter day for them. This is, you know, he didn't give this to us to keep it to ourselves, did he? Freely, finish that. Freely you have, freely give. Number four there we talked about at the end of last Wednesday was that his promises show that he will deliver. He will deliver. Might not be when we want him to, but he will deliver. Amen? He will deliver. When I wasn't even serving God, when I wasn't even in church, wasn't attending a church, didn't know this truth at all, I was trying to quit smoking. And I really wanted to quit smoking. And I laid there in a bed in a military installation all by myself one night, and I said, God, I can't do this. I need you to take these things away from me. And I guess I must have had enough faith because the next morning when I woke up, it was as though I had never smoked ever before. I had no withdrawals. I had nothing. No desire whatsoever. He took the desire for those things out of me. And I, it was like I waited for, for, it to, for that to end. Like, oh, this is just a, a whim. Or, but it, the next day came and... Still didn't feel it. Didn't wasn't craving them like I was before. And then that Monday, a guy that I had been bumming cigarettes from on Friday came up to me and offered me one. This was the same guy who who said to me, "Quit bumming everybody's cigarettes." He came up to me and offered me one, and I went. In my mind, I thought, "Yeah, right, devil. You're that's a good one." I said, "No, thank you. I quit." Then I thought about it and I thought, "No, I didn't quit." What I did was I gave up. <laughs> I gave up and I let God take it. And on May 21st, 1988, God took that away from me. 
You mean you know the exact date? You bet I do. <laughs> I didn't write it down anywhere, but I marked it down in here. I had a little celebration every year, May 21st, 1989, 1990. God is good. He's faithful. And so we're going to step into number five there where it says God shows divine care in sickness. (laughs) How appropriate is that? God shows divine care in sickness. It says here, the Lord will strengthen him upon the bed of languishing. Thou wilt make all his bed in his sickness. And I, I just wrote a couple of notes down here and, and just want to touch on a couple of little things that, once again, as I said earlier, it was all about the faith of those that brought the sick folks to Jesus. And he was faithful. And once he healed one or two, word got around. And they were, they were trusting God to heal everything. Anybody that was sick or, or possessed with a demon or anything, they said, if nothing else is going to work, let's take them to Jesus. And that we do that sometimes. We save him for last instead of going to him first. He is our healer. He is our healer. He's our healer. He's our healer. He shows divine care in sickness. It's a promise. When the, when the four men that bore the one man on the bed tore the roof off and, and lowered him down in there, they, they believed that what they were doing was going to make a difference in this man's life. They were desperate. If anybody can do anything for our friend, it's that man in there. And if we can't get in the door, we're going down through the roof. The man with the withered hand. You know, and here's Jesus and, and all the religious people are standing around accusing him and, and berating him and, and saying, oh, what's, what's he going to do now? And he just ignored them. And he walked up and told that man, stretch forth thine hand. The amazing thing about that story to me is he didn't say which hand. He just said, stretch forth thine hand. He left it up to him. That's how I look at it because he had the, the good arm. And he had the withered hand. I went to high school with a guy that had a withered arm like that. Kent Tennell was his name. And he, maybe I shouldn't have said his name, but but he always had that. But, you know, he was our friend. He was our classmate. And I, it never dawned on me till much later after I got in church. I thought, man, what if, what if God would have healed that guy? But he had to know that Jesus was talking about that hand. And how embarrassing it was for this guy already to have this withered hand because back in those days in the Bible, you were like, you know, well, there's something wrong with you. You're, you're broken. You know, we don't have stuff like we do today. They didn't have stuff like that. If you, if you were, had a withered hand, you were just, you know, some, something's wrong with you. You must have sinned or something. But he, what did he do? He stretched forth that hand. In spite of all the, the things that were going to be said, he took that step of faith. He stretched forth that hand right before all those witnesses. And who was going to say anything now? God healed him. That's, that's what just confounded those religious people. They just couldn't understand. They, they, couldn't, they didn't get it. 
<laughs> that this man was healing people. They didn't do their math. They didn't put two and two together and realize that only God can heal. Only God can deliver from devils. And he tried and tried and tried to tell them. They just wouldn't believe him. They're so caught up in their own tradition. But he does. He, he shows divine caring sickness. He, the woman with the issue of blood. Now, Jesus knew about this woman with the issue of blood. He, he let her go through all the things she went through until she finally crawled on the ground to where he was and touched the hem of his garment. And he was faithful to her act of faith coming to him. She wanted to run away and hide when he said, who touched me? But he, he looked at her and said, your faith has made you whole. You trusted enough that I would do it. You knew because, you know, people, I just believe that people, when they looked at into the face of this man that was walking around healing people, have you ever seen somebody that just had a look like that? Where you, when you looked at him, you just melted. You know what I'm saying? I'm not talking about romantically or anything, but I'm just saying that there's just there was something about Jesus, his countenance, that that just had this effect on people. And I believe they could feel, like I was talking about a minute ago, they could feel that compassion. They could feel it. He didn't have to say, "I have compassion on you." They felt it. He was real. And so when, when they came to him, just, just like the woman, even the woman that was caught in the act of adultery, it wasn't a physical sickness. She had a, person, a, a, a sickness of her, her soul. She couldn't control herself. And so when all was said and done in that story, that, that was as, just as much of a healing as any other physical healing of the body of the man with the withered hand. What did he say to her? Neither do I condemn thee. Go thou and sin no more. Don't do this anymore. Right? So we can be healed in our mind. We can be healed in our spirit. It's, we, we think about healing sometimes in a physical sense more than anything else, but healing can come. Uh, you know, it was brought out in uh, in one of the messages in the ladies' retreat about there's people in this audience that have all kinds of stuff that they've been carrying their whole life from their childhood. Somebody abused them. Somebody did something to them. Somebody said something to them, and they, they carry that weight of that shame or whatever it is through their whole life, and God's still ready to heal that. But you've got to be willing to, just like me with those cigarettes, you've got to be willing to re- totally release not only the cigarettes but the whole desire problem to him I had to let him have control amen just like the Gadarean man that was in the tombs and and they couldn't even keep him bound with chains he'd break the chains why because he was full of demons how many how many pigs went into the water and committed suicide 2,000 2,000 because he asked him, what is your name? He said, I am legion, for we are many. You know, we can be completely healthy in body and have just our mind is so corrupted and so whacked out out there. You know, and I, I 
when I pray, when I drive through the city, I just think about how I was. And I think there's people out there like me that don't realize and don't know. Their mind is so corrupted with all the thinking of this world that they're so bound, they don't even know how bound they are. They're just as much in prison and in jail as the guys sitting down in the jail downtown. Only they're out here free walking around in their own little prison. And God wants to heal that kind of individual as well. Just like the man... Because what happened when, when those demons went out of that man? What, is, what does the Bible say? He was clothed. He was naked before. So now he's clothed and in his right mind. And, you know, I'm sure he had family. Probably had a mom and a dad. Probably maybe he had brothers and sisters. And they were like, wow, our brother's back. Yeah, who knows? You know, that young man that left his father and wanted all of his, his, his portion, what we call the prodigal son, he needed a healing. And then isn't it amazing sometimes the things that God will let us go through in order to bring us around to the place where we say, I'm done. No, oh, now I see what you mean by I surrender all. That's not just a song we sing. That's a, that's a lifestyle. If he's not Lord of all, then he's not Lord at all. There's no halfway in between. So you have to ask yourself in your own personal prayer time, Lord, are you really Lord of all in my life? And if not, what is it that I'm keeping a hold of that you need for me to let go of? Because... He's in control. He decides. Right? If I, you know, we, the Bible says we are hid with Christ in God. So if we really believe some of these scriptures, we have to believe that every single word we say and every single, single thing we do, every decision we make, we got to run it past him first. What do I say in this situation, God? What do I do in this situation? Should I buy this thing? Should I make this? Should I go here? Should I do this? You know, sometimes we think, I don't need to bother God with that little stuff. Why not? He's your father. I want his wisdom to know what to do. Don't you? I want him to tell me that that he's healed me. So number six there. Is it says that his promises reveal his presence. His promises reveal his presence. Well, what's the greatest promise that any one of us in this room has ever received? The gift of the Holy Ghost. Wow, is that not God revealing himself or what? Right? The minute I... The minute I went, when I went to that prayer line and that man put that oil on his finger and put his hand on my head and I woke up laying down there talking in tongues, I knew that this wasn't just a bunch of fanatics in this room putting on a show for this sinner guy that came in the door. This stuff was real. And it is real. And you cannot, you can tell me a lot of things, but you can't come and tell me that God's not real and that he didn't manifest himself in my life. Because it didn't just stop there. 
He has manifested himself over and over and over and over again. The, the more, more closely you draw to him, the Bible says he'll draw nigh to you. The more you reveal, the more you give yourself to him, the more he's going to reveal himself in you. You know, we there are people in this in this world today, men and women of God, that that God uses to, to in prophecy and all these kind of things. Well, they didn't just when they they didn't just start doing that the minute they got in church. They started developing a relationship. They started developing a prayer life. They paid a price. You know, you look at a guy like Lee Stone King or something like that. These men that God uses in in mighty ways. They paid a price to get there. And it's easy to, to look at them and hear them preaching and think, boy, I would like to do that. But you don't know what they went through to get to the place where God can use them like that. I mean, you got to think about the Apostle Paul and all that he went through. And where's that scripture says that Paul, he... He said that the Lord sent him a gift because he was given him revelation. And, and I'm kind of moving into number six there, or excuse me, number seven. He shows his divine grace. And so in that scripture it says, unless I should be exalted above measure, through the abundance of the revelations, exalted above, exalted by who? No, by himself. Unless I get all lifted up in myself because God's showing me all this cool stuff, because we can get like that. We can get like that. He shows his divine grace by not allowing us to get like that and He'll do things sometimes to help us to make sure we don't get all lifted up in ourselves and think it's us doing it. Because it says here, through the he was receiving abundance of revelations. God was showing him some awesome things, right? He was paying this price. He was being beaten and bruised and shipwrecked, and all these things are going on in his life. There was a there was given to me. When I see the words given to me, what do I what do you think of? If I was to give you a check for $50, that's a gift, isn't it? So this was given to him, a thorn in the flesh, the mess, the messenger, not a messenger, the messenger of Satan to buffet me. Lest I should be exalted. He, he repeats that. Lest I should be exalted above measure. So how did this spirit, how did this messenger of Satan come to him? Where did it come from? By the grace and mercy of God, he sent it to him. He sent him a gift. A messenger of Satan, the messenger of Satan to buffet him. That he might not be exalted above measure. The Lord's going to make sure that we stay humble. Because he can't use somebody that's not humble. He can't use somebody that's all lifted up in themselves and they think they're doing it. Matter of fact, I believe that when somebody starts getting like that, God will just kind of back off and say, yeah, you got it. Go right ahead because I'm not anywhere near that. 
And it goes on to say, For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace, my grace is sufficient, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And when I read that, I thought, wait a minute. He said, he's telling Paul, my strength, whose strength? God's strength is made perfect in weakness. Whose weakness? Paul's, our weakness. So God's grace, through God's grace, it says there, God told him, my grace is sufficient for thee. To me, what that word, what that word grace is saying to me is, I'm empowering you. You don't, you're not doing this of your own volition. You're not doing this of your own power, Paul. I'm empowering you. My grace, my empowerment is sufficient. You just trust in me and you say the things that I tell you to say and you go where I tell you to go and you do the things I tell you to do and my grace will be sufficient. But just in case you get lifted up in yourself, no, I'm not. I'm, you've asked me three times and I'm telling you no. Because my grace is sufficient. So I'm going to leave this little thing in your life to help you to remember to be humble. You mean God would do that? He did that to, to one of those brothers that wrestled with the angel, right? What happened to him? He walked with a limp after that the rest of his life. As a little reminder that you don't mess around with God. Right? If an angel comes around, don't fight with him, right? Don't fight against it. Just let God do it. I don't know. I'm not saying God's going to do something physical in all of our lives, but he sent something. It doesn't really say what it is. So if it's silent, I'm not going to guess at what it is, but I think it was something physical because in another place it talks about, um, I think it's in 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 9, it talks about his infirmity. Whatever it was, was something that kind of helped him stay humble. And if that was good enough for Paul, right, it's good enough for us. I don't know about you, but I want God's better promise that, like he gave Paul, I want God to show his grace in my life. I want him to, to run around here and head me off if I'm going in the wrong direction. Don't let me keep going down the wrong road. Who wants to do that? Who, wants, who doesn't want God to stop you from going down the wrong road and not physically maybe down the wrong road, but down the wrong road in your mind, getting all lifted up in yourself? Because you know what? I, we couldn't save ourselves, and we didn't invite ourselves to church. No man comes to him, what, except he draws them. So it was only by the grace and the empowerment of God that you even thought about coming to church. He put that desire in you. He put that desire in us. When we were lost and in the world, when we were wanting all the things that the world had, he started, somebody dropped a seed and that desire started building in us. And we had to respond to that. Paul was the same way. He still, he still could have responded in the negative to his whole situation. Once he got healed and his eyes got open and everything, he could have turned and walked, from God, walked away from God anytime he wanted to. But when God does something profound in your life, I don't know about you, I find it very hard to walk away from that. Because everything I experienced out there is, doesn't hold a candle to this. None of it. Not even close. 
And sometimes it means, you know, the Bible says if you hate not your brother, your sister, your mother, even your own life for my sake, you can't be my disciple. It doesn't mean you go hating your family. But it's talking about if you're not willing to sacrifice everything. You know, and I, I get a lot of grief about not being closer to where I'm from, from a couple of people that would rather me be close, and I'd rather be there around those little ones that are running around now. But i got to do what God said. I don't get to have a say. The minute I get to have a say, I'm, I'm maybe stepping out of the will of God. And I don't want to be there. We don't want to be outside the will of God. We want to be inside His grace, in His empowerment. He told Paul, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. That's why I'm sending this to you. I want you to be weak in your flesh so that you'll be strong in me. So that you won't get the... Who, who does God want to get the glory? Himself. That no flesh should glory in his presence. I don't want to take the bragging rights that belong to God and take them upon myself. Right? We don't want to do that. <laughs> That's what I did. Ooh, you got to be careful of that. Getting all puffed up. Can't walk through the door, right? You got to duck to get under the door. We don't want to get all lifted up in ourselves. And we're capable of that. So we got to keep this this old man in check. Right? Bible talks about Demas having loved this present world. Demas was a follower. He was one of the disciples. Paul talks about Demas having loved this. He he started letting his yeah his guard down. He started looking back at the things of this world. You know, I'm sure Paul was praying for Demas that he'd come back. So we you know, but we got to keep ourselves focused on the kingdom. He said most gladly. Paul goes on to say rather. Most gladly, therefore, I will I rather glory in my infirmities. Oh, okay. God, you're not going to take this away because I need this to stay humble. So I'm going I'm to say glory. Thank you, Jesus, that I walk with a limp. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, that i got to walk with a cane now. Thank you, Jesus. We don't understand that. But if that's what is necessary in my life, for me to be humble so that God can use me to glorify him and, to, and, and that I don't take the credit, then if that's got to be the way it is, that's got to be the way it is. He's in charge. He's in control. He's not an overlord. He's not putting his thumb down on me and saying, let's see what I can do to him to make him humble. Let's see if I can get him to kneel before me. I'm going to do some stuff. That's not how God works. He's merciful and kind and loving. It's for our own good. It was for Paul's own good. He needed Paul just a little bit longer. Thank God we have Paul today, right? Because we tell his story over and over and over and over. And it's like Sister Bell said, for all the years that I've been in this and all the people before me, before she was ever born, and all the people before that from 1901 all the way to now, and We've never exhausted all the truth and all the, the good things that are in the book of this book right here. And we never will. 
And some of it seems repetitive sometimes. But maybe we need to be reminded. I don't know about you. I do. I remind myself every morning when I wake up. It's in you, Lord, that I live and move and have my being today. You let me breathe all night long and wake up to that alarm clock so that I can go enjoy my hot shower again. You are, I'm your workmanship created in Christ Jesus under good works. Yeah, I, yeah, I got to still go to work and do my job, but I'm going to, I'm going to always, I'm going to walk and do everything I do with the Lord right next to me, praying as I walk to this place and that place and do this and do that, praying. What do you want me to say, God? Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight today, God. Stop me from saying stuff if, I'm, if I don't need to say it. Help me to have your wisdom and not my wisdom. You know, Paul said, I came not with the enticing words of man's wisdom. But in what? In the power of the Spirit and God's wisdom. That Jesus Christ would be glorified. Praise God. So he said, most gladly, therefore, I'd rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. How many wants the power of Christ to rest upon you? How many wants God to want you? I want God to use me. He can use me till he uses me up, that song says. He chose me. He chose me out of all the people in this world. I gave him my hands, I gave him my heart, I gave him my soul, and then he took control. He can use me until he uses me up. Because it's not about us. If it was about us, we wouldn't be here. Well, I wouldn't. If it was about me, I wouldn't be here. It'd be about me. I'd have me a motorcycle. I'd be out riding on a night like this. I'm going It's probably not going to happen unless the Lord deems it that I should have one. I'm not going after one. But if the Lord wants me to have one, he'll drop one in my driveway. If he doesn't, I'm still going to serve him. I'm not going to get in sort, out of sorts over that with the Lord. It's not going to happen. I've gotten over not having a 64 Impala in my driveway. And if the Lord wants me to have one of those, he'll give me one of those too. Amen. You know, when Brother Urshan turned 80, you know what they gave him, right? All the preachers in the United Pentecostal Church all got together and, and took up a donation, and they, they bought a 32 Ford Coupe, totally, completely restored, and gave it to him for his 80th birthday because that was the kind of car that he drove around in when he was evangelizing, him and Sister Urshan, so they gave him that. I'll never forget getting the email saying we're taking donations. I sent one right in, man. I said, yes. He needs to have that. <laughs> Remember me, Lord. <laughs> but if God wants to give you something like that, he will. By whatever means. He's not going to hold back his blessings. But if I give myself completely to him, why wouldn't he give himself completely to me to use me for his glory? It's not about what I can get out of this world, is it? Paul wasn't trying to get anything out of the world. He had all the background, all the education. He had everything going for him. You might say that he was like the guy that had 
he graduated at the top of his class in high school. He went to college. He got a, a doctoral degree in divinity. And he all these things were going, going his way. And then one day, just walking down the road, a bright light shined and everything changed. Isn't that what happened to us? When we came to God, the light shined in our life. And the scales were taken away that we could see clearly. And God turned our whole life in another direction. And we left some things behind. We turned away from some things, never to go back there again. Right? All for what reason? For his glory. That's why he saved us in the first place. That's why he saved us in the first place. That word, going back in the scripture, it says, there was given to me a thorn. I looked that word up. It's, it's in the Greek. It means to give, one's own, give of one's own accord with goodwill. <laughs> God gave it with goodwill. Hey, Paul, here's a gift. I'm going to give you this. This is for you. Go ahead and open it. <laughs> right? And it says, it was a gift from God. And I wrote a little note there. It says, because I thought about this, aren't all gifts supposed to be good? Right? If if you get a gift, they're all supposed to be good, right? A Christmas gift or a birthday gift. And anybody ever gotten a bad gift? Don't don't raise your hand. (laughs) We've all gotten bad gifts. We've all re-gifted stuff, right? Whether you want to admit it or not. Bad, ugly tie, something, you know. We've all re-gifted something, some lotion we didn't like that flavor, or whatever you call it, scent, flavor. Yeah, they say flavor. But, you know, and I'm going to kind of end with this. Romans 8, 28 is a really good scripture to memorize and to apply to your life every single day because you never know what's coming from day to day. So Romans 8, 28 says, For we know. That all things, we know, we don't just think, we don't just surmise, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and are the called according to his purpose. Do we love God? Do we? Do we love God? The Bible says we love him because he first loved us and gave himself for us. So we love God. We agape him. That word agape is unconditional. The other words for love in the Bible are conditional on being a family member, a friend, or whatever. But the word agape is unconditional. And that's what God's love is, unconditional. So who loved him and and so these things that happen in our life are for our good. Hard, hard to realize that <laughs> <laughs> to look at your circumstances in your life and go, it's like you just almost have to say, this is for my good, this is for my good, this is for my good, right? Because in your flesh, you don't feel that way, really. Your flesh wants to say, why me, God? Why me, God? Why me, God? Right? Why, Mommy? Why, Daddy? Why? Anybody ever heard that? From your kids? Why? Why is grass green? Why is dirt dirty? Right? 
all these silly questions. And we're like that with him sometimes. He's our father. And when, when Jesus spoke to that tree and said, you're not going to bear any fruit anymore. Die. And then later on they came by there. And the disciples said, hey, Jesus, look at that tree you spoke to. It's dead. He was looking for an explanation, I think. And what did Jesus say? Have faith in God. You're not going to always understand, what, right, the things that are happening in your life. He said his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts and our thoughts. But he knows what's best. Father knows what's best for us. And I want, I want, I want what, everything that God has for me. And I want me to get out of the way. I want, as this said, he shows his divine grace. I want his divine grace. You want his divine grace in your life. You want him to empower you to do things that you can't really do on your own. Right? If you see a turtle on a, on a fence pole, what is, what's, this, what's the old saying? He didn't get there by himself. Somebody had to help him, right? <laughs> Never heard that? Turtles can't climb, right? If you see a turtle up on a fence pole, you know he had some help getting there. So we didn't get here by ourselves. And we're not going to get to where we need to go on our own now that we've got the Holy Ghost. We don't take that and stick it in our back pocket and say, I got this, okay, God? If I need you, I'll pull you out. We can't do that. I need thee every hour, Lord. I need you every minute of every day because without you, I can't breathe and live and move and have my being. Praise God. Let's all stand. Jesus, we love you today. We thank you for your goodness and mercy and grace. Thank you for keeping your hand upon our pastor.